delighted to be back. We're learning now Likutei Moran. We're in Torah number two, our third lesson, Torah number two. But the fact to get everybody uh, together on the same page, we've got wonderful new faces here, and we've got people from all over. Baruch Hashem, so happy to see everyone. And it's a, a delight to learn together. It's a very delight to learn together. Okay, so first of all, we're learning about the sword of Mashiach. Rabbi Nachman, right at the beginning of Torah 2, he tells us that when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes, his weapon is going to be prayer. He's not, that's his unconventional weapon. He's not going to have any armaments. There's no gunpowder, no explosives. But the only thing that explodes, you, you, won't, you won't see that explodes at the dark side. Expose all the impure spiritual, we call klipot, which are the impure spiritual elements that are all around us. And this pierces right through. So Rabbi Nachman says that the sword of Mashiach, this is the weapon of Mashiach, that he's going to win all his wars and going to conquer everything he needs to conquer is going to be by the way of prayer. Now, not only that, since uh, Mashiach, our spiritual guide, spiritual leader, he doesn't keep it for himself. He teaches it to us and he shares with us. And what Rabbi Nachman says about his Torah, he says, my light will burn until the fire of Mashiach. Rabbi Nachman what really gives us, he gives us the light of Amuna. Rabbi Nachman is the spotlight of Amuna, And everything we talk about is Amuna, And because without Amuna, there's nothing. Uh, we don't... We, all want to get close to Hashem. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about getting close to Hashem. That's all. Get a guild. Said this is this is this is our ball game. This is our marching orders, right? So up till now, we learn that the secret of effective prayer is staying away from the right, staying with the honing into the target. Last two weeks ago, before Tisha above, we learned about bullseye, right on target, being on target. Rabbi Nachman takes us further in that, and we're going to learn this week how to really make our prayers effective and how to avoid the negative uh, elements that hinder us during prayer. There's all types of negative elements, like once again, we call klipot, dark side elements, they're lying in ambush, and they're waiting in prayer. Rabbi Nachman, another Torah, talks about how a prayer, they go up, they go up in certain paths, and the dark side knows these paths. So we have to really stay right on, hone, hone in like a vector when an airplane is coming in from one airport, it's leaving Chicago, and it gets to Denver airspace, it goes into Denver, and the way it goes from Chicago to Denver on automatic nav is that it hones in on the Denver vector. Then after it leaves, gets up the Rocky Mountains, it leaves Denver, it goes into LA, goes to Denver. Okay, our vector is the heavenly throne. And we have to really hone in on that and not to miss the right or the left because we miss the right or the left, you're going to get ambushed. And this is it simply. Okay, so to review what we've learned up till now, we learned that our prayers, just like Mashiach, there are prayers, he's got a weapon, we've got a weapon. And our prayers resemble both a bow and arrow as well as a sword. But whether you use a bow and arrow, whether you use a sword, they both have to be right on target. And that's why our prayers not they must not veer to the right or to the left. Okay, so if they veer to the right, the right is an aspect of Ishmael. Ishmael, this is we're talking when we we go over the threshold of holiness and go into the threshold of unholiness. Just like Hashem created the world in an absolute balance. In all the spheres of divinity, there are equal and opposite 
spheres of the dark side. And that is to maintain a perfect balance in the world between good and evil. Because if we didn't have this perfect balance, there would be no context for reward. In other words, if someone was forced to do good, does it deserve to be rewarded? And if he was coerced to do the opposite, does it deserve to be punished? So in order to preserve our free choice, the Almighty preserves a perfect balance, 50-50, not 49-51, and not 51-49, 50-50 perfect balance. So anytime we have a force of holiness, there's an equal and opposite force of unholiness. And this is type, type of like a spiritual Newton. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. This is a, a, a natural phenomena. All the natural phenomena come because this world is a whole metaphor for the spiritual world. This world reflects what's going on in the spiritual world. Okay. So if we leave the threshold to the right, we said right is the sphere of chesed, the sphere of compassion. This is the right. This was the sphere of Abraham. This was his characteristic trait. Abraham did compassion for everyone. But Abraham's seed, Abraham, it was not 100% corrected because he had his, his parents and his grandparents were idolaters. So Abraham had to purify himself and his seed had to become purified. So the pure part of his seed went to Isaac and Isaac went to the opposite, the left side, the holy left side, which is Gevorah, which is divine courage. Uh, Abraham's characteristic trait was the right side, compassion. And we'll see this is the mitigation of justice. Justice is a combination of mercy and severe judgment. You can't have just severe judgment by the book. Uh, a cop stuff. What's, what's severe judgment by the book? Okay, sir, you're going to jail. Uh, you've got somebody who you, you, the speed limit is 80 miles an hour, and you do or 70 miles an hour, and you do it 120 miles an hour. Uh, but Mercy says, wait a second, he's not doing that. Maybe there's a guy in the backseat who's rushed to the hospital that's having a heart attack. And every moment is crucial. So we see when a judge, justice for a justice, has to have a mitigation of the severe judgment with the mercy. So wait a second, this guy's got an explanation. What about mercy? No, I don't care about the guy. If you guys are not, you you went past the speed limit. That would be the left side without the mitigation of the right side. In other words, a severe judgment without the mitigation of the mercy. But you just can't have mercy. Uh, a guy was uh, robs a bank. And he said, the judge, well, I, I needed money, and I need, but, but you robbed the bank and you killed two people, but I needed money. Let's see if they can have mercy. You have to have that. It's got a mercy. It has to be mitigated with the judgment. So the justice is right in the middle between the right and the left. But the holy right, that's Abraham. The holy left is his son, Isaac. But what happened? Abraham had a son called Ishmael. Ishmael went out of the boundary of the holy right into the unholy right. What is the unholy right? The unholy right is fake emuna. Fake emuna. It means when uh, uh, I don't need to pray. I believe so much in Hashem. Hashem is going to give me what I need without praying. That's the unholy right. So Yishmael from the unholy right says you don't need to pray. And what's the unholy left? Isaac had two sons. Isaac had to continue to purify himself because there were still impurities in Isaac. So he had two sons. One was Jacob. And one was Esau. Esau went over the boundary in the unholy left. Esau became the arch atheist. Esau says, what, what do you mean, Hashem? I don't know. There's no such thing as prayer. No such thing as Hashem. The only thing that runs the world is the might of my right hand. 
I'm a fighter and I kill people and right the they don't need to pray. And this is what he said to Jacob. What do I need a birthright for? We see Rabbi Nachman tells us that the birthright is the birthright of every one of us. We all have this beautiful spiritual birthright because every one of us is a son and daughter of Hashem. Every one of us is Hashem's only child because we all are an individual. It doesn't matter how many billions of kids Hashem has. Everyone's individual. So we have this birthright. Every one of us has a right to pray to Hashem, a right to speak to Hashem without an intermediary, without anything. Okay, we learn we have to be connected to tzaddikim, but tzaddikim, being connected to righteous people that help us raise our prayers, this is not like what some religions have going through a mediary. You got to go through a middleman. No, you can't go. You got to go in and uh, do, do confession to the to the Pope or the Bishop or or whatever. No, no, no middleman. You have your own direct personal relationship with Hashem. You are Hashem's beloved daughter. You are Hashem's beloved son. Your birthright is access to the Almighty, your Father in heaven, whenever you want, and nobody can rob you that birthright. But you have to claim your birthright. But if a person disdains the birthright, doesn't want the birthright, that's uh, what we call in Aramaic epicursus. This is uh, this is atheism. This was Esau. Esau's atheist. So Esau doesn't pray because of the unholy left side. Ishmael doesn't pray because of the unholy right side. Ishmael, he's got the, the fake imuna. I don't need to pray. I believe in Hashem. Hashem loves me. It's like people say, well, I don't need to, to do Hashem's commandments. I've got a good heart. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. That wasn't more like that. That's the unholy right. That's the only right. And the unholy left is what you can see. It's it's the unholy left is political correctness. Now it's what's running Israel. It's what's running the UK. It's running the USA. And this is the political correctness. That the no, we know what justice is. We establish our laws and political correctness are things that even the Torah might call an abomination. Oh, you don't like these abominations? Then you're this phobe and that phobe and that phobe. And it, no, but the Torah doesn't allow uh, uh, single sex relationships. No, but you're a phobe in that. No, we don't care. That's that's all political correctness. That's the unholy left that denies Torah, that denies Hashem. We have no part of that. Okay, so we say veering to the right is the unholy aspect of Ishmael, where a person won't pray. And if he doesn't pray, he's going to miss, going to be way off target, way off target. And veering to the left is an aspect of Esau, where a person's not going to pray at all. So even if he prayed, he wouldn't be left because Esau sold his birthright. You could see everything that looked like little nice Bible stories for third grade Sunday school kids. It's not Bible stories for third grade Sunday school kids. We're talking about Esau selling his birthright. We're talking about every single one of us. What are we going to do with our birthright? Are we going to hold and cherish our birthright like Jacob did? And that's why, as we learned at the end last week, the middle of the road, Jacob, he took the middle of the road. Jacob's already the clean seed from his father and grandfather. He's the clean chesed from the right. He's the clean left. And Jacob comes in the middle. He goes from the holy right and takes the holy left and he mitigates in the middle. And that's why, according, this is symbolic according to Kabbalah, Abraham is the sphere of chesed, compassion, the right. Yitzchak is the sphere of gevura, which is the left with severe judgment. Jacob is the middle of the road, perfect sphere of tiferet. Tiferet is beauty. This is the beauty of justice mitigated. Now, we learned that you can only arrive at justice through 
holiness. That means that we have to guard our covenant, whether man or women, a man by, by guarding his covenant, woman by, by guarding herself, her, her own personal holiness. We all have to guard our personal holiness because we have to maintain our personal holiness. We can't engage in debauchery and, and the same body and the same mouth and the same mind that is in the gutter and then try and pray from it. No, it's like, can you imagine when you go to a very fancy French restaurant and you order a $300 portion of Chateaubriand and the waiter serves it to you in a toilet, excuse the expression. You say, what? And this is, the, oh, wait, so it's right. It's a brand new, it's sanitized. It's right from the factory. Nobody ever did, nobody ever ate. You're the first one to use this. Oh, you don't want a Chateaubriand come in a toilet. Who wants to listen to prayer in a mouth that didn't use clean speech or in a mouth that speaks words of unholiness? No, that's why we all have to maintain not our mouth and our brains. And I see it, everything we have to maintain holiness. And this is not a matter of being a prude. It's a matter of godliness. It's maintaining godliness. And this is beautiful to in order to cling to a shem. And this is what the Zohar tells us in Kabbalah. Unholiness cannot Cling to holiness. This is again what Abraham said to Eliezer. Eliezer thought that maybe his daughter would marry the boss's daughter. And he says, uh, listen, you can't have, you've got to uplift yourself from slave to the, the level of slave to level of son. And because if as long as you're a, a, a slave, this is we're talking about a spiritual slave. We're talking about a spiritual slave, as long as you've got the mentality of a slave. You can't think to holiness because being a slave, what's it with a slave? This again is a metaphor. It's when we are slaves to our bodily lust. This means being a slave. What it means to be free, a person could be behind bars, behind eight feet of thick walls of, of concrete. But if he's connected to a shem and he's free of bodily lust, he's a free person. Yet a person could live in a free mansion and have millions of dollars. But if you connect with bodily lust, like you've seen people, heads of state, prime ministers, and presidents, that they've blown their whole career, everything they work for all their life, in one moment of a bodily lust. That's what, what's a bigger slave than that? Hey, sir, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But some scandalous behavior? That's not holiness. We can see that it just doesn't make sense. So freedom is when you have your birthright and you have your holiness. And you talk to Hashem, and connection to Hashem is a freedom where I don't have to listen to society. I don't have to listen to political correctness. The only thing, if I want to know political correctness, I'll, I'll open up. I'll open up a Tanakh. I'll open up a Bible. Look, that, that, that's my correctness. It's divine correctness, not political correctness. Hashem says, "Look at the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is a map of political correctness." Okay, and the seven Noahide laws, that's a map of, of correctness, divine correctness for the, for the whole world. And this is what we learned when, when we studied, at a moon hour, we studied uh, about, oh, I think it was 12 weeks, we studied the Noahide laws. And this is peace in the world. So we would have peace in the world. So we have the harmony. So if the only way to have harmony and peace within ourselves is to be connected to the Almighty, why? Where do emotions come from? Our emotions come from the soul. And what's the soul come from? It's a tiny microchip of Hashem. And how come I see all the time that your beloved sons, your beloved daughters of Hashem, because you have a soul that's a tiny part of godliness. Do you imagine you're walking around with a tiny part of godliness inside of you? 
that tiny part of godliness, which is your soul, that's your life force. That's the difference between the live body and the dead body. And you can't, no movie will satisfy that. No Bermuda vacation will satisfy that. No amount of money will satisfy that. And but the only thing that satisfies it is a relationship with the Almighty. And what's the relationship with the Almighty? We speak to the Almighty in prayer. Okay, so this we're trying to hone in on the aspect and the target. This we're learning how to do on Jacob, because Jacob's spiritual DNA comes from a melding of the right that he got from the holy right of Abraham, Abraham's compassion, his chesed, and from the pure left that he got from his father, Isaac. Uh, And this is the the divine boldness. And this is the central pillar of the 10 spheres. The spheres have to be, as we showed, there was a a map. By the way, if you want to see the diagram we learned last week, uh, people will ask me for it. It's posted on laserbeams.com in our Likrate Moran section two, to the sure from two weeks ago. You look on that, you can, you can print that out and have that. You see that you have the, the right side spheres, the left side spheres, and the center spheres. The center spheres that begin with the Keter, crown, it's above anything we understand. Then it comes to Tiferet. Then it goes down to Yesod, which is holiness, then to Malchut, and that is kingship. That's Mashiach. And this Mashiach stays honed into the center, what he gets from the aspect of, of Jacob, which is Tiferet. So spiritually, as we say, we said justice, covenant, personal holiness, they're all one. Okay, this is the center. So now up to your word. If everybody lists up to now, now you've just been caught up and we've reviewed the first two lessons. So even if this is your first time with us, this is the Torah two. So we continue on and we're on the honing in on the central pillar. And so now Rabbi Nachman tells us in... Uh, letter Dalid, I'll say it in Hebrew and then mishpat. How do we get to the aspect of justice? Justice is the perfect center. Justice is, as we said, is the mitigation between compassion and mercy on the right side and severe, stern judgment, what we call letter of the law on the left side. This is perfect. How do we get that? We get that by way of tzedakah, by way of charity. This is why we give charity before prayer. This is the inner reason. Now, according to Halacha, Halacha tells us that before prayer, if we want to invoke the divine listening to our prayer, that Hashem to listen to our prayer better, we give charity. Because just as we give mercy, we have mercy on poor people, we have mercy on someone else. It's measure for measure uh, that we invoke Hashem's mercy on us and Hashem listens to our prayers. So Rabbi Nachman says that by way of tzedakah, by way of charity, that we cling to the aspect of justice, pure justice. I'm explain this why it sounds cryptic and explain everything and try to keep everything eye level and everything simple. And if you have a question, write it down. You can ask me, but we're not going to go home until anybody, if everybody asks what, what they need to do to try to make this as clear as possible. Okay. This is something that we learn in Deuteronomy chapter 33. That Hashem does Hashem all the time. Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world in justice. Hashem is always justice, justice, justice. Hashem has to maintain the law, but he also has compassion, compassion law. There's nothing so perfect as divine justice. Okay. So Hashem himself embraces in everything he does, mishpat, which is justice. When we give charity, we emulate our creator and we do what he does. 
we're giving also charity. Why? How does this work? Let's look at the spiritual anatomy of charity. How does this uh, emulate Hashem? How does this mitigate between the stern judgment and the compassion? It's like this. Rabbi Nachman explains. He said, Sadaka, why you mishpat? Kamosh Ketuv, Elokim Shofet, Zeyashpil Vezeyarim, Shemorish Mizeh Omashir Mizeh, Shnaten Sadaka, Uprinat Zeyapil Yedah. Rabbi Nachman explains like this. He says, when someone gives charity, what do you do? There's a, there is a passage in Psalms that Hashem will uplift one and knock the other one down, bring the other one down. What does that mean? It means that when a person gives charity, what are you doing? Hey, why are you giving your money away? Oh, because somebody else says is more needy than I am. So when a person is giving his own money away, a person is knocking himself down. He's knocking, he's causing himself to, to lose his own money. Wait a second. You're not losing a thing. You're going to gain something. You know what happens? So it may be that there was a divine decree. Uh, let's say, oh, this family in Texas, they, they got to pay so much. They got to pay $100 in doctor bills today. Oh, but what did the family do? Uh, they wake up in the morning before the divine axe falls and they give $100 to charity. Shem says, time out on the field. Oh, no. You wanted to take so to, to the, the elements of stern justice. You wanted to take from that family 100 bucks. They already took it away from themselves. And you know what they did with it? They gave it to a poor person. They are not going to have that $100 in doctor bills. Okay. So then Hashem tells the bacteria in their teeth, no, 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 no. Don't make a hole. No dentist, no nothing. Did the whole wheels turn around? What's happening? You did not a single microbe can operate. Okay, you can't have a, a ba- bacteria. Every single microscopic bacteria in your teeth is doing what a ship wants. A ship you cannot imagine. It's a mind-boggling the divine direction behind every single thing going on. So when a person gives himself financial loss. He's actually bringing himself down, but uh, really, in, in meanwhile, upstairs, he's bringing himself up. But he's bringing himself down. And what is he doing? He's taking the per- poor person, the poor person down and outer. And he's bringing the poor person up. So what he's doing, he's acting like the Almighty. He's bringing one person down, that's himself, and he's bringing the other person up. Now, since he is bringing himself down, do you mean bringing himself down? When a person gives charity to a worthy cause, this is humility, because the, the arrogant people don't give charity. Man, they want all the money for themselves. Oh no, he wants uh, want, want to give charity. Uh, I've got a Mercedes, but I, it's not good enough for me. I need a Maserati. I need a Lamborghini. Anybody could drive a silly Mercedes. I need that Lamborghini. So he wants more and more and more and more. And his wife wants more and more and more and more. And they went to a cocktail party and he bought a very fancy bracelet. But the other guy's wife, she's got a fancier bracelet. Now she's not satisfied with her bracelet anymore. So arrogant people and money-grubbing people, they don't give charity. Humble people give charity. Once I asked the guy knocking a neighbor, our neighborhood is a, a very poor neighborhood. Very poor neighborhood. The guys sit and learn Torah all day long. They're Torah scholars, the Torah students. But then the people collecting money, they come to neighborhoods. 
all, all the time. Every, every 10 minutes, somebody's knocking on the door, asking for money. This one needs this, and this one needs that. This one's marrying off a kid. This one needs it. So once asked one of, the, one of these guys, said, how come you come to our neighborhood? Why don't you go to the this neighborhood of, uh, of villas down by the beach where all the, you know, it's called the Ashdod Riviera. Why don't you go down to the Riviera? And they have these, uh, you know, by the beach, they have these $2 million condos and this and that. He says, because they won't even let us in the door. Here, everybody's open. Everybody, everybody gives you something. The rich people, they don't give you anything. <laughs> they don't listen. Or else uh, if you go to a you go to a rich place, the, the guy's got some kind of Doberman says, beware of the dog. I'm not gonna endanger my health and and for just for, for a couple of bucks and risk the risk an encounter with a Doberman. I can do it. You see, you can see that humble people, they're the ones that give. So when a person gives charity, he's bringing himself down humility. But when we bring ourselves down, the exact opposite happens upstairs is Hashem lifts us up. He lifts us up. And when a person down here lifts himself up and thinks the highbrow Hashem knocks him down, knocks him down. It's the exact opposite. So this is what King David says, this one Hashem is going to lift up and this one Hashem is going to knock down. So when we do it to ourselves, we lift up the poor person and we knock ourselves down. We're acting like Hashem. But now what happens? Oh, Hashem says, you're acting like me, my beloved daughter. You're acting like me, my beloved son. You're acting like me. Guess what? You want to be like me? You're going to be like me. So since Hashem is telling us, since he is justice, we are not going to, we are now going to get words of justice. So it gives us words of justice. And when we open up our mouths to pray, our prayer is right away on target because it's mitigated. It's not the far right. It's not the far left. It's the perfect center. It's the ferret. Our prayers become beautiful. Our prayers become godly. And we are speaking to the Almighty in his own language, in the language of justice. That's the name. That's why we call tonight's lesson words of justice, because the words of prayer that hit the bullseye are words of justice. Now, just imagine you could see, and they're focused. They're focused. Look at little Kim Jong, the 98-pound Korean who busts three cinder blocks at a time or 10 boards or whatever. Kim Jong, he is so honed on the center, the absolute center of those cinder blocks. And he go and he, absolute concentration. Now, if Kim Jong would lift his hand in perfect concentration, and he can already visualize that his hand is going through the three cinder blocks, and if someone would call him, hey Kim Jong, but as his hand was in the air before he strikes, he's gonna break his hand. That's it. Because it breaks the focus, it breaks the concentration. So what happens is when a person doesn't have the element of charity. That's why when people ask me, what psalm should I say? I say, always keep keep at home a little charity box. Okay, put your favorite charity. And every time before you pray, put a dime in it, put a nickel, put a quarter, put a, a, a half pound, a hey penny, put something in there, put a coin. Let it And then when it fills up, you give it, you cash it in and, and give it to your favorite charity. So every time, make a, a request, you say a psalm, say something, give a coin to charity. Because this coin to charity, Rebbe Nachman is telling us that this is gives us the measure of judgment. 
And that's what Rabbi Nachman says in the next sentence. And Rabbi Nachman says, this is the exact reason that we have to give charity before we pray. Now, giving charity before we pray, this is brought straightforward in the Gemara in Tractate Baba Basra in page 10. And it also is in chapter 92 of the Code of Jewish Law or Achaim and the Laws of Prayer in the Morning that we give tzedakah, but we don't. Rabbi Nachman, we're not doing it because we're forced to, but we're forced to, we have to do it. Yes, it is halacha. It's good to do that. The, the religious law requires it, but it's so far and good. But some people do it without thought. Without thought, you would think that we give that coin to charity. Hey, wait a second. What am I giving? That doesn't belong to me. Who gave me that coin? Hashem gave it to me. You know, some people are are brilliant and don't have a good income. And some people, people in my hometown, I'll take you to the marketplace. And I see a guy that didn't graduate the third grade. And he's got a, what we call in Hebrew, a basta. He's got a stand, a cucumber, a tomato stand. And he drives a big Oldsmobile. The guy's full of money. And you see some people that did got a degree in nuclear physics and can't find a job packing bag groceries in a certain grocery store. It doesn't matter. It all comes from Hashem, especially in Israel. You see, with Israel's the land of Muna, see, things go less according to nature like they do in the UK and Canada and the USA and South Africa. And things here are, are above nature. If people only open their eyes to see it. You see people that uh, you wouldn't believe that they could have an income. They get a great income. You see people that they should have a great income and they don't have a great income. So that's why the Gomorrah Tractate Tubod calls land of Israel land of Muna. Yeah, but we try to take this Amun and land of Israel, spread it all over the place. So that the whole world should be the land of Amunah. So Rabbi Nachman says that we should give this charity because it's emulating the Almighty. And there's no greatest thing. Don't you love your kids? You teach your kids a good lesson. You teach your kids something upright. You teach your kids how to be moral individuals. And then your kids act the way you teach them. How? You get so much gratification. Ah. I they taught them never to tell a lie, and they're, they're so honest. And even though they always so, so trust my kids so much because they always tell the truth, and they don't hide something that is seemingly undesirable. And you, and you get gratification. Can you imagine the gratification that the Almighty gets when we act like Him? This is this is the greatest gratification in the world. Okay, so according to Aloha, it's necessary to give tzedakah, but the inner dimension of the law to give tzedakah, to give charity, is that it enables us to speak in a balanced manner. And this balanced manner is what we say, Yechalkel Dvarav B'mishpat. King David says that, that a person should weigh his words. Lechalkel means economics, like to provide his words with justice. In other words, we just like we provide for someone, we provide our words. We fill our words with justice. This gives our words power. You know, in every language, there's... Okay, can we hear it out? Okay, so we had a little tef- technical difficulty. That's it. As soon as we... It, it's it's the evil inclination. He doesn't... He's got to bother some way. That's just so right. Okay, if I were talking about... Uh, I don't know, whatever. Talking about the football scores that uh, we wouldn't be bothered. Okay. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. We're back in business. All right. Then we say we have an expression 
Rabbi Nachman has an expression about the war with the evil inclination. You see, almost every week we end up fighting. We said, where's he going to come from now? Okay, now he showed up. He says, in Yiddish, he says, Pachmir, Pachdil, Obedelester Pach is mine. That the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, smacks me. I smack him back. He smacks me. I smack him back. But I'm going to throw the knockout punch. The last punch is mine. All right. So we're going to get him. We don't give up. And and we're not, uh, we're not, he doesn't scare us off. Okay, good. Now we know that that he's here. Before he, before I bet you feel that here at the, one thing, I thank it, Hashem, that uh, they taught us in the infantry that when you're lying in ambush and you get stung by a mosquito, don't ever slap yourself. No, you got to be really quiet. So you got to learn to grit your teeth and the mosquitoes and the nits and whatever you bite you. Uh, before the Yatzer disengaged our audio for a moment, it says send a couple of mosquitoes here. Okay, so I was saying less than they're disconcerting with the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes didn't help. Okay, so it's okay, we got to get laser to stop some way. All right, we're back on. So, King David says a person should weigh his words in justice. It is weighing means, it also means to provide for it. It's to be economical. The word should be economical. And when you provide for someone, you mechalkel. When it talks about Joseph providing for his father, when Joseph went down to Egypt and Joseph became the viceroy of Egypt, and they discovered that the viceroy of Egypt is really Joseph. And then Joseph was sent down to Egypt ahead of time so that he could provide for his father and his brothers and their families during the famine. And that's why Jacob and his sons descended to Egypt. So what was the special relationship between Jacob and Joseph. The Torah says that Joseph was Ben Hakim, that, that, that he, was, he was the son of wisdom, the son of wisdom. That, that Joseph, it's not that the, the brothers were jealous of jo- coats of many colors. This again is a metaphor. Well, the brothers were out doing their thing. Joseph was the prime disciple of his father. Joseph was his father's number one disciple. Joseph is the symbol, according to Kabbalah, he is the sixth fear, Yesod, which is personal holiness, because he was tested in a way that a human, no human could let, but the most beautiful woman in the world, he could have got away with doing whatever he wanted, but he knew it was the wrong thing to do. It was a violation of personal holiness because she was another man's wife, and he refused to do it. Rather than that, he jumped out of the window, and he ended up sitting 13 years in jail because the blood libel, she said, uh, she said, he tried to rape me, the exact opposite. She tried to seduce him, Fodifar's wife. Yosef was impeccable in his personal holiness. Yosef got that from his father, Jacob, who was impeccable in his personal holiness. The Torah tells us, and if the Torah didn't say this, couldn't say it. But as the Torah says, when Jacob blesses on his deathbed, he says to Reuven that it was his first, his biological firstborn. Joseph benefited the firstborn. He actually took it away, just like uh, Jacob took it from Esau. Joseph really took it. Reuven forfeited because when Reuven interfered with his father's bed, he took his father's bed out of the concubine and put it in his mother's tent, and he shouldn't have interfered that. That was a blemish in personal holiness. And Joseph would have never done anything like that. So Joseph got the award of the birthright from Jacob. 
But the, the birthright, again, is prayer. So Joseph, as the prime disciple and prime student of his father, Joseph was the number one in personal holiness. His father was number one in personal holiness. His father, when he blessed Reuven, he says, Reuven reshit oni. Rashi said, and Jacob got married when he was, Reuven was married when, Reuven was born when Jacob was 86. So Jacob got married when he was 85. And the first seed he emitted was when he's born. 85 years until he was married, he never spilled the seed. And this uh, impeccable personal holiness. Joseph had the same level of personal holiness. It's right in the Torah. This is right in the Torah. Okay, so we're, we're speaking Torah. All right, so this is why Rabbi Nachman explains that Jacob gave the rights of the firstborn to Joseph. In addition to the fact of the personal holiness, Joseph provided for them. And this is what this is a parable. The, the, the Gomorrah tractate, Baba Basra explains this parable. It says, once there was once a rich man, and a rich man took an orphan in his house. And as the rich man got older and he couldn't work and he lost his money and became old and frail, and the orphan grew up, and the orphan became a very successful businessman. And the orphan took care of the rich man. So the orphan took care of the rich man by virtue of the fact that the rich man took the orphan his house. So just as Jacob took Joseph into his heart, Joseph, Jacob gave Joseph the aspect of the center. As we explained the last week, Jacob is Tiferet, and Tiferet goes down to Yesod. This is the center. That the Tiferet beauty, personal holiness is also beauty. Personal holiness is a center. Netzach is right. Hold is left, then comes down to Yesod. Yesod is personal holy. This is a, an, also a center sphere. We said the top center sphere is Keter, and then Tiferet, and then it goes down the center. You could refer to the di- to our diagram from last week, and it says Yesod. Yosef is Yesod. Yosef is the epitome, the archetype, personal holiness, represents personal holiness, and this is the fear. And then Yosef will take that, and he will give it to Mashiach, Mashiach will be Malchut, which is also the center. So this comes down the center. They're all honed in exactly in the middle between right and left. Okay, so the Genesis chapter 47, it says that Yosef Wow, this is so many plays on words. This is the Torah is like an onion, levels and levels and levels. You pay a peel off a layer, peel off a layer, peel off a layer. Uh, that Joseph, the simple explanation, simple translation is that Joseph provided for his father and his brothers and all their household. And he gave bread right into the children's mouth, tough. But the word tough also denotes speech. It's an indication of prayer. And piatav in the inner meaning, inner layer means the mouth of prayer. He's the, the little the little children's mouth. He put bread in their mouth. As you say, with somebody, uh, when somebody provides for someone, he puts bread in their mouth, put bread on their table. And, and maybe in English, you say you put bread on your table. In, in Hebrew, we say that the person that provides for one person, he puts bread in his mouth. Okay. Like a guy gives a, a needy person a job, he puts bread in his mouth. This expression that's used in Hebrew. So this piatav, the, the mouth of the little kids, also means intermeeting the mouth of prayer. 
And because of Yosef's charitable deed, Yosef could have a nice uh, viceroy of Egypt. Pharaoh was a figurehead like the king of England. Yosef was the viceroy. He was like the prime minister. He ran everything. And, but no, one of the things he worried about was his father and his brothers. So therefore, because the way he took care of them, he received from Jacob the firstborn. He took care. He was the rights of the firstborn. And the rights of the firstborn, in order to get the rights of the firstborn, you have to have personal holiness. The rights of the firstborn are the right to prayer and to prayer on target. Okay, so now we go into the next section that we're going to learn. And we learn what happens. So this is something really important in prayer. Okay, it sounds all great. Yeah, we give our, our coin to charity. And now we have words of justice. And we play it. Wait a second. We just saw it, it just right now. You can see this live. This is right here in live. That you, you can see the evil inclination. So, no, you're not going to learn this without me. All right. So, we think you're going to pray without the evil inclination. Oh, no, come start praying. And oh, yeah, Sham, I want to be holy when I get close to you. Oh, you want to get close to you? Okay. Now, the evil inclination is going to come with one of 1,554 thoughts he's going to put in your head. My electric bill my kids' tuition in college, and this one is here, and the argument I had with my wife or my husband last night, and what's going on at work, and said, hey, wait, where's the prayer? What's all these thoughts coming from? The moment a person wants to pray, boom, now comes the dark side, uh-uh, and these are where the, the, the little itty-bitty nasty committee comes along with all these thoughts, and this is the ambush on the way. They come out of the woods and come out of here. And you think you're on the right road. Oh, yeah, I'm on the road here. I'm going to start collecting the angels and take my sack and put angels in my sack. And here, right up to the heavenly throne. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Did you pay your water bill? Ah, oh, wait a second. You know, your water bill is overdue. And, and what about, oh, what are you going to have for food in the weekend? Oh, what, what is it? you don't have meat in the freezer. When are you going to go to the supermarket? But your thoughts when he did this and that and this and that and when, when, and you got a, a pair of shoes that need fixing or all kinds of thoughts. Oh, this is what Rabbi Nachman says now here. And we're now up to letter Hey. He says, Why do we have all these extraneous thoughts? We have the extraneous thoughts because something is wrong with the justice in our head. In other words, we're either too far to the right or too far to the left. So as soon as we got that, we're, in, we, we're caught in an ambush. And the ambush is all these thoughts, boom, 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 that bombard our heads. Okay. And, and we see it just when I, evening prayers, for us, it's already nighttime here. It's already night. It's like quarter 11 at night in Israel. Uh, our evening prayers before the lesson, that was about, uh, about two, two and a half hours ago. I said, wait a second, laser. You're going to teach about prayer. You better pray good now. You better be on target. Okay, concentrate. Hashem, help me concentrate. It was a war, World War III. And I said, World War III. And I gave charity before prayer. I did everything according to the book. It is a war. You have to understand, if there is no war, something is wrong. Huh? No extraneous thoughts. What's going on here? No, it's like uh, you're in the Mundial and your team is on the field. Where's the other team? This is a championship Mundial game. It's got to hit the two teams on the field. Okay, the UK's on the field. Where, where's Argentina? Where's Brazil? No, you can't have the UK that they're without Argentina or Brazil. You got to have Argentina or Brazil. That's the world championship. It's just saying Jacob is out on the field 
You can't have Jacob out in the field without Esau. And this gives the Almighty such gratification when you know, now you have to say, Hashem, help me overcome this. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. Oh, what would happen if we say, I learned Likute Maran, I learned how to pray, I don't have to give charity, I know Kabbalah, I know the spheres, I need to stay away from the right, I need to stay away from the left, I need to go in. Now I'm going to pray. And your prayers get answered. And I walk around, I'm already big man on the campus. Uh, I'm going to give lessons to, I'm going to become a guru tomorrow. And the, the, the Dalai Lama is going to ask for my autograph and you know, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, that you can become, that you become so, what Hashem does, he's doing us a favor. Because by having to overcome this opposition, we need his help. We can't pray without his help. And that's why before we pray, we say, Hashem, Hashem, you open my mouth and, and, I, and I'll say your praise. I can't okay, my mouth. And this is what Moses said. Moses said to Hashem, he says, Hashem, you can't, I stutter. You can't send me. I can't, I can't take the people out of Egypt. I stutter. So Hashem said to Moses, Moses, you don't stutter. Who gives you the power of speech? I do. Who gives you every heartbeat? I do. Everything comes from Hashem. When we know everything comes from Hashem, this keeps us humble. Okay, but we know that the main cause of our thoughts are clouds over the eyes. This is another play on words that Rabbi Nachman tells us that mishpat u'bchinat einin, that the Torah says, v'yavol ein mishpat. Another play on words. The Torah, when talking about the travels, the sojourning of the, of the people of Israel in the desert, that they came to a place called Ein Mishpat. This was called the Wellspring of Justice. It's the name of a place, Ein Mishpat. It's right on the Israel-Egyptian border. Ein Mishpat. They came to a place called, but Ein, Wellspring, also means I. So the Wellspring, like the Wellspring is all indicative of prayer because it's a Wellspring of the, the water's prayers that the holy waters that we uplift and the spiritual goes up, the spiritual spiritual gravity goes up and then it goes down, not like a waterfall that comes down. These waters, it goes up. This is according to Kabbalah. And uh, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but it's the same aspect as an eye. So what happens? It says that Ein Mishpat, this is the eye of justice. The eye of justice that the eye in order to pray, I have to see a shem. I can't look at the electric bill. I can't look at anything else. I can't look at my boss. I can't even look at my spouse. I have to look at a shem. This is where I pray. I look at a shem. So what happens? And this is something the the dark side comes and brings ananim. And something that's amazing. Look at this. The word the dark side brings clouds that Cover up the light of the sun. Imagine the light of the sun is this divine light that's illuminating your eyes, and your eyes are the window to your soul. You have divine light that's illuminating your soul, that's giving you the power to, it's like a solar power, that's giving you the power to pray to Hashem. But now comes the dark side, and the dark side thoughts are like clouds blocking the sun. The clouds block the light from your eyes, and they're called ananim. So what they make you do, ayin, which is prayer, and then ananim, it's the same word with an extra nun. It what it is, if the person would stutter and he'd say the word ayin, he'd say, no, no. He'd, he'd say the word cloud. So what this is a spiritual stuttering. 
And the spiritual stuttering causes clouds of the eye. The spiritual stuttering comes when a person is too far to the right. Either he thinks uh, he doesn't need to pray because he's got such a great level of Buddha, or he's too far to the left, or he doesn't believe like uh, Esau, like the clip of Esau, that the, the, doesn't believe. Or when a person also doesn't believe, doesn't believe that Shem is compassionate. So he cries and complains to Hashem. Hashem, why are you doing this to me? When somebody says, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? That's a, that's a belief in Hashem's justice. There's a difference between to say, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? To say, Hashem, help me understand what I need to correct, why I'm having this difficulty. That's One is complaining, one is not. Okay, so this is the... And right after it talked about what happened when, when it said that the Jews... When arrived at Ein Mishpat, which take away another level, this is the eye of prayer, the eye of justice, the words of justice. Then it says that they dwell securely. This is in Deuteronomy 33. Okay, so through the corruption of this aspect of justice, we lose our power of prayer, we lose our focus, the power of prayer, and we get these foreign thoughts. So now we'll conclude tonight's lesson with Rabbi Nachman's final thought in this section. And he says, So what is going to happen when Mashiach comes? Mashiach comes, the Rambam explains that everything's going to be normal. It's a normal life. We're still going to go to the clothes store, buy clothes, and still drive cars, and still have places of work and whatnot. But it's been on a much higher spiritual level that we will be able to pray with this aspect of justice. And that's what. The Isaiah the prophet says in chapter 1, verse 27, that Zion will be redeemed with the aspect of justice. So by way of prayer. And what happens is Mashiach is going to take these clouds away from our eyes. That people that see the wrong thing, and Mashiach is going to give them clear sight. And that's what also uh, Isaiah the prophet says, Ki ayin be'ayin Hashem that when Mashiach comes, we're going to be seen with our own eyes. Eye straight to eye without eye and behind. With eye, our eye connected to this is a metaphor, Hashem's eye, without clouds in the middle, and we'll be able to be a, see Hashem in our own aspect of seeing Hashem in our mind's eye, in our soul's eye. And that way we'll be able to pray. And that will be an aspect of Joseph when the world attains a higher spiritual level and Hashem takes the garbage and go out the window and Mashiach is going to dispel all the garbage with his sort of prayer. Like we'll hold up to now because next week we have to continue on to the next letter. It'll probably take us two weeks to finish this particular Torah. Uh, we'll have a lesson next week and less another two weeks. In two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks from now, going to be taking off for two weeks to the United States. Uh, God willing, we'll see you in Los Angeles. All our friends in Los Angeles, we'll be in Los Angeles for a week and then three days in Chicago. And then uh, for another week in New York and New Jersey. Okay, so now more than happy. Everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful week. We have time. You can ask me any question you like. Okay, and it's a delight to be with you. God bless. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman answers that question, David. Great question. Rabbi Nachman answers that. Okay, and Rabbi Nachman gives a hand-to-hand maneuver. Rabbi Nachman says, okay, listen, uh, David, you're going to take your morning prayers and you're going to decide one prayer. Okay. Let the mind wander this and that. But when you hit Ashray, man, this is, this is for you, Hashem. This is for you. 
or you decide in the Shmonaisra, in the 18 blessings, the first blessing, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and you ponder Abraham boops up the third fir- fiery furnace, and Isaac was willing to be slaughtered, and Jacob rested. He's, and then just as they were, I'm going to be courageous in holding on to this prayer. What does Rabbi Nachman explain? This is Rabbi Nachman. He was a fighter. Rabbi Nachman said it's like a person is ambushed by 20 people. You can't fight all 20 people at once, but you're going to grab one and you're going to knock the daylights out of him. And this will scare the other ones away. All right. So this is what you can do. Rabbi Nachman said, grab that one aspect of prayer. Okay. So today it's going to be three words. Tomorrow, a fourth word. Tomorrow, a fifth word. Okay, and this is just hold on, like you're fighting a war. All right, you conquered so much, and I'm not going to relinquish this hill I can't, I conquered. All right, I capped the hill. This is my hill. All right, and you take it. And this is the Gemara also says this. Tafasta mubalo tafasta. Take yourself, give yourself a reasonable goal, and give yourself a goal, David, where you can build up your confidence and you can win. All right. You say, okay, today I'm going to dive perfect prayer. No, no, no. Today I'm going to dive in one sentence. And then the rest goes. Or right. do you do the one sentence good? That's fine. And then you'll find it. You'll find it. When you get used to doing one sentence, then the other sentence will go. Okay. And you can say, okay, electric bill, mortgage, uh, they got to go with that. Got to be in, in Sussex today. And I have to be in the, can't, I got to be here and got to be there and where I got to drive. And but, but, come on. You know, or, or, or did I prescribe the right eyeglasses for for the person? That, that, that all this come in. You've got all your all your patience, and come on, all right. So say, wait a second, evil inclination. Okay, you can. I'll, I'll see you in a minute. All right, this is for Shem. Okay, see you in a minute. You sit on the sidelines. Okay, you sit on the sidelines, and he'll try to get you here, but no, you're gonna let go. Okay, you interrupt me in this sentence that I'm decide I'm gonna say, I'm gonna plaster you. Just like my great grandfather Jacob did to your great grandfather Esau. Esau. Okay. That's the game plan, David. Shep shall be successful. Okay. So from London, we are going to go to Italia. We're not talking about painting landscapes. We're talking about people that uh, worship the sun, the moon, the stars. Okay. So this particularly the sun, moon, the stars that uh, we don't make paintings of sun, the moon, the stars. Okay. But uh, you talk about uh, you want to you want to take a, a draw a beautiful landscape of the the vineyards outside of Toscana. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, that that's we're not we're not okay. talking about beauty. This is different. Also, and again, that even in beauty, in beauty there is a dark side beauty, and there is a light side beauty. Dark side beauty, for example, is Greece. When Greece talked about the beauty of the the body and dark side beauty, okay, and uh, that's it. Do you understand? But the, uh, things that are specifically uh, represent deities, this no graven images. That we're talking about graven images. That's not the idea, okay. I know some are, people are, are very unique? stringent. Some people don't have pictures of other people in their houses. Just like uh, this is. On, on the basic interpretation, this it's okay. This is okay. No problem. They've got their their movie idols and their sports idols, and people say that they worship this. That that's no, no. Everyone have a, a beautiful week. Look forward to seeing you next week. It's a pleasure to see everyone, and blessings to you one by one, one by one. And uh, thank you to our host, 
Torch in Houston, Texas, Rabbi Arya Wolby, and to Rabbi Arya and his family and everything he does should be success and nachas and wonderful. And all the, the new faces, I see new faces here. Good to see everybody, and we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless and stay well. It's-